Ambassador Bolton, what is your assessment of where things are 12 months in? Well, I think the results are mixed. And I think, frankly, the West has spent too much time patting itself on the back. Right now, Russia has twice the territory in Ukraine that it had before February 24th of last year. Uh, it has certainly suffered enormous casualties. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but in the Russian calculus, human life isn't worth as much to them as it is to us. And as long as Russia has the capacity to wage war, every indication is the war will continue. Uh, we have not uh, provided adequate weaponry to the Ukrainians. We do not have a strategy to win. Uh, we have been responding to various requests from Ukraine, uh, but it really endangers support for the war, at least in the United States, when, we, when we're afraid to say conclusively that our objectives are the removal of all Russian troops and the restoration of full Ukrainian territorial and uh, integrity and sovereignty, meaning including the Crimea. If you're not willing to say that, if as U.S. leaders do and others, well, we're leaving that up to the Ukrainians, I, I hope people will understand that saying that is the creation of a blank check for Ukraine. And the isolationists in the United States make exactly that point. So I don't see why if it's the official position and long has been of the government of the United States, the government of the United Kingdom, the government of every NATO member, we don't say publicly our objective is getting all Russian troops out of Ukraine instead of Crimea. Then from that, you can develop a strategy. Then you decide what weapon systems you need. You don't argue about javelins or HIMARS or ATACMs or tanks or F-16s unless you know what your objective is. And do you think the objective that you've just set out, do you think that is the objective that President Zelensky has in mind as well, and indeed the, the wider Ukrainian public? Well, I think it is. Uh, I think he needs to say it more often, too. Uh, I think the hope of this, well, we're, we're, we're not going to get out in front of Ukraine. We're going to listen to what the Ukrainians say was a dodge by some European countries, hoping they could force the Ukrainians to accept less than the total withdrawal of Russian forces. And this goes back. I mean, we, we're on the one year anniversary, to be clear, of Russia's second invasion of Ukraine. And the fact is that NATO, and I mean the United States in the lead and, and every other country in the NATO alliance, performed pathetically weakly uh, in response to the first invasion. So to restore uh, NATO's credibility, to restore the deterrence that we all need to prevent aggressive warfare in the first place, we've got to go back to where we were before 2014. And in terms of um, NATO's involvement, can you ever see a, a, a more aggressive level of intervention from NATO? And is that what you would like to see to bring this to an end? Well, we 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 are we are in a in a uh, war because because a country uh, that's vital to security and stability in Europe was attacked without provocation by Russia. Uh, let's face it, levels of certainly American forces in Europe uh, and frankly, levels of every other NATO member are far lower than they were during the Cold War. Uh, uh, the, the West succumbed at the end of the Soviet Union uh, to the delusion that the history had ended. We had a peace dividend. Uh, globalization was going to take over. Sweetness and light would prevail around the world. Uh, you know, they didn't give the memo to the fellows in the Kremlin. 
uh, or to the people in Beijing either. And uh, it's time for people to wake up. We need substantially greater defense expenditures across the board. The 2% NATO target is inadequate. It ought to be 3% or 4% of GDP. The United States alone uh, in the weaponry we've provided Ukraine in one year has deplenished our arsenals to the point where I think we should be worried about what we're going to do if there's a contingency involving a Chinese threat to Taiwan or a threat to the United States elsewhere in the world. The notion that we can uh, have defense and deterrence on the cheap uh, has been brutally destroyed by Russia's aggression. Let's learn the lesson. It's right in front of us. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I mean, we're having very similar discussions here in the United Kingdom right now. We've got a big budget coming up about what the settlement will be for our Ministry of Defence. I think many of my listeners will agree with you. So, Ambassador Bolton, just taking a step back, in your mind, how does this thing end? Does it end? Well, I don't see an end in the near term because uh, Ukraine right now does not have the capability to push Russian forces out of its country. Uh, so we'll we'll dribble them out over a period of time. The fact is uh, that that while Russian military casualties are certainly higher than Ukraine's, Ukraine's have not been insubstantial. We actually probably have a better idea of Russia's casualties than we do Ukraine's, uh, including civilian casualties. Uh, I think they're probably more extensive than the public figure, and I think that rec reflects the pressure on Ukraine. Uh, certainly, Russia's efforts to destroy uh, uh, the, the capital structure of Ukraine, destroy its electrical generating capability, destroy the, the port of Mariupol, destroy whatever uh, territory they take uh, control of, is going to mean a huge cost of reconstruction at some point. So, you know, this war of attrition can go on for a long time. Generally speaking, in wars of attrition, the bigger country wins. Russia is three and a half or four times bigger than Ukraine. Do the math. Time is on Russia's side. So I come back to my first point. Let's state what our objectives are. Let's develop a strategy to achieve those objectives, and let's do it in a timely fashion. Are we content to let this war go on another 20 years? I don't think so. 10 years? I don't think so. Five years? I don't think so. Let's win the war. If that's what our objective is, let's tell the people of our countries what they need to do, and let's get on with it. And let's say that strategy is adopted by people where people are upfront about that core objective. And many people will be sympathetic to that because, of course, this cost, the cost of this war is, is impacting on, on many NATO's, uh, of NATO societies and economies. What does that mean in terms of weaponry? What does that mean in terms of additional measures that NATO should take? Well, I think that substantial additional resources are going to be necessary. Uh, uh, I think the West, and I will blame the United States first, uh, has been intimidated by the Russians with the threat of an expanded war. If uh, if we def help defend Ukraine from being invaded, that we're somehow we're the ones committing aggression by defending Ukraine's uh, territorial integrity. Well, where's this hi hidden army that the Russians are going to use? Where where has Putin been keeping it? And if it's such a good army, why isn't it in Ukraine today? We're, we're intimidated by the threat of tactical nuclear weapons. I think uh, for one year, Putin has bluffed. Uh, it's been entirely uh, an effort to psych out the United States and the West, and it's succeeded. I think we need to make it clear to the Russians generally that any use of tactical nuclear weapons would result in devastating retaliation, including a direct attack on Vladimir Putin's life personally. Now, if there's a better way to deter Putin, I'm happy to 
to, to hear about it. But what I'm looking for is the most convincing argument uh, to convince the Russians that they can just leave their tactical nuclear weapons in their arsenals where they are now. Mm, that's really, really interesting. And what do you think is going on in President Putin's mind now, Ambassador Bolton? Because, you know, a lot of the narrative, certainly outside, I mean, of course, the press is very controlled in Russia, but people have been quite surprised at how Russia has underperformed. Do you think there's any chance of any sort of, you know, retreat uh, in President Putin's mind, or is he all in now? Well, I think he's all in now, but I do think that the uh, so-called Chinese peace plan that's emerging may, may be a face-saving gesture for him to get what Russia could benefit from even more than Ukraine, which is a ceasefire in place to allow the Russians to regroup, and maybe over a long period of time, whatever that new ceasefire is, if the Ukrainians agree to it, could become the new border of Ukraine and Russia which is entirely to Russia's advantage at this point. And then in five years or six years, then the Russians come at them again. Uh, we, we should not be focused only on the hostilities immediately in front of us, but on the longer term threat from Russia and uh, the, the news that we've heard over the past week that it looks like China may be preparing to ship weapons directly to Russia. This is not a European war anymore. This is a global war. And the Chinese-Russian Entente is more and more visible. So people in Europe in particular who, who say, well, China is just a big market for us, heaven forbid that we should take strong steps against, against China, wake up, it's here. China is not just a threat to Taiwan. The biggest, the country most at threat from China today is Ukraine. And final question to you, uh, Ambassador. Were you surprised at how resilient Ukraine has proved to be its military force, the spirit of its people, and also what a strong leader President Zelensky has turned out to be? Well, I think the Ukrainian military and civilian populations have performed in an outstanding fashion. I think uh, Zelensky uh, is, is a hero to his country and an inspiration uh, to the West. I think we vastly overestimated the Russian capabilities. So uh, to be clear, in, in the list of Western failures, which we should, we should note along with our successes, the intelligence failure is very significant because sometimes you can overestimate an enemy's capabilities and sometimes you can underestimate them. So uh, getting the intelligence right in, a, in, in, a, in anticipation of future conflicts, I think should be an extraordinarily high priority for the entire NATO alliance. Ambassador Bolton, we're really grateful for your time. Thank you for speaking with Times Radio. And I got myself undressed. I ain't ready for the altar. But I do agree there's times when a woman sure can be a friend of mine. Ambassador Bolton, thank you so much for joining me. Now, almost a year to the day of the Russian invasion. What's your view? Could NATO have done more to have prevented this? Well, I think uh, certainly uh, a lot more could have been done to deter the Russian attack. Uh, President Biden himself said on several occasions he didn't think deterrence was possible, that only punishment after the fact was possible. And I think that's uh, a real contributing factor to the Russian decision to invade. I, I think we have to see it against the background of the uh, utterly pathetic American and European response to the first Russian invasion of Crimea in 2014. 
uh, which could have convinced uh, any leader in the Kremlin that they could get away with it again. And I think added to that was the catastrophic U.S. and NATO withdrawal from Afghanistan, which unfortunately uh, got a lot of attention, not just in Moscow, but Beijing as well. Uh, there were there were numbers of things that could have been done, including imposing sanctions on Russia when we saw the troop buildup along its borders. Many people at the time said, well, if we sanction the Russians, they'll, they'll just invade. Well, they, yeah. they did anyway. Uh, we could have been using the imposition of sanctions uh, because of the buildup, but also better late than never for failing to sanction Russia in 2014. We could have uh, put more arms shipments quickly into Ukraine, put more U.S. and NATO forces there to train and assist the uh, Ukrainians. There's no guarantee that any of this would have worked, but but at least mm. if more weapons had been shipped in, uh, it, the, the uh, Ukrainian forces would have been better prepared early on. There was a lot more we could have done just generally politically. And I think this attitude that deterrence wasn't possible uh, uh, helped convince the Russians uh, mistakenly, but helped convince, convince the Russians they would have an easy job of it. You used that phrase too little too late there. Um, Biden has been a bit more hawkish this week, but how would you evaluate his leadership on this issue? Well, I, I think it's uh, it's had its pluses, but, but there have been a lot of minuses. I think NATO has spent entirely too much time patting itself on the back. Uh, I still think there are weaknesses in the U.S. position. Uh, and and among several European countries, uh, e even uh, on the actual anniversary date of the war, uh, we still hear the American Secretary of Defense say that the statement of the objectives of the war is up to Ukraine. I think that uh, feeds into the idea that we've just given Ukraine a blank check. I don't think that's true. But why aren't we willing to say what the official position of all NATO members actually is, which since I believe December 31st, 1991, when the Soviet Union disintegrated, that Ukraine and every other newly independent state should be uh, in full control of its territory and have full sovereignty. If that's not our position anymore, I'd like to know it. And if it is our position, why can't we state it and then build a strategy to achieve uh, the return of, uh, of full territorial integrity and sovereignty? Uh, how much longer do we want the war to go on? Should the NATO strategy include the provision of fighter jets to Ukraine? Uh, it should have provided the uh, fighter jets to Ukraine on February the 25th of 2022. Uh, let, let's be clear where the aggression is here. It started with Russia's invasion. So what are we holding back for? Do we want to extend the war? We think one year is not well, enough. We want a longer war. There's fears uh, of know, escalation, I'm obviously, Ambassador Bolton. Well, I wouldn't say obviously. I think that's part of our problem. Uh, we failed to deter the Russians. They are now deterring us. They committed the aggression. They committed the escalation. Is Ukraine to have its hands tied behind its back for fear of escalation? Uh, and by the way, where's the Russian escalation going to come from? Hmm. Where's the hidden army of Russians waiting to pounce on a NATO country? And by the way, if they've got that army, why isn't it in Ukraine trying to do better there? Yeah. This is Putin's part. And, and yet we have allowed the bluff to impede our delivery of assistance. That in turn has impeded the Ukrainian resistance and prolonged the war, prolonged the human cost in Ukraine and, and, and increased the financial cost to all the rest of us. But if Ukraine doesn't compromise on territory and who could blame them, how does this war end? 
with the Russian defeat. Why is that hard mm. to understand? Well, I think because people think there needs to be a diplomatic as well as a military solution, perhaps. Obviously, uh, the Ukrainians have done much better than a lot of Western analysts predicted. And the Western world is cheering them on for that. But we've had talk this week, even from our own Defence Secretary, Ben Wallace, of this going on for another year. Putin saying another two years. How do you think this ends? Well, why don't we get a strategy to achieve the objectives that uh, NATO members uh, say, which is they want the restoration of full sovereignty and territorial integrity. Now, if we're not willing to do that, why don't we come to grips with that? I, I just don't understand uh, what's hard to understand about uh, the importance of defeating the Russians. Uh, if, if NATO members want to negotiate before the restoration of, of full territorial integrity and sovereignty, let them say it publicly. Let's have a debate. We're, we're, we're wandering around in a cloud here which has the effect of benefiting Russia. They know what they want. Uh, and now this war is no longer a European war. We've got China very actively involved, perhaps sending weapons directly to Russia, coming up with a peace plan, which if you read it, uh, looks even-handed on the surface, clearly benefits Russia in its uh, specifics. Uh, uh, and I, I would say today that uh, although Taiwan, for example, is definitely under threat from China, the country most threatened by China today is Ukraine. Yes. And I suppose people are also asking themselves, is victory in Ukraine enough? Doesn't Putin also have to be toppled? And how can that happen? Well, I think uh, it's pretty hard to see how we deal with Russia that remains under Putin after the war uh, is concluded. And uh, for those who say they want to negotiate with Putin, to an end to end the war in Ukraine, uh, you know what Biden and uh, Vice President Kamala Harris have recently said that uh, that Putin and others are guilty of uh, war crimes and crimes against humanity. Explain how we're going to negotiate with war criminals, for example, about the New START treaty, strategic weapons limits, uh, and uh, and peaceful relations in the future. Uh, if people are going to going to take the position that they that the Russians are war criminals now. There's obviously nothing to negotiate with them about. I know you met with our own former Prime Minister Boris Johnson in the week, Ambassador. Could you let us in on your conversation? What did he have to say to you? Well, I think uh, he gave a speech uh, later in the parliamentary debate that day about Ukraine and expressed his position. We talked a lot about it. He's still very concerned uh, uh, about the situation. And, and uh, I think his uh, government really uh, was was far more forward leaning than than the government of President Biden uh, during his time in office. So uh, again, if if you believe that it's important to defend against unprovoked aggression, that it's important to prevail against such aggression, to deter the aggressor and to deter others later, wh why are we waiting so long to be effective? Shall we have a ten years war? Shall we have a five years war? How about a how about a thirteen month war? How, how about how about if we start to move up? Uh, and, and try and press this to a conclusion. Final question on leadership. Are you putting your hat in the ring to be the next president of the United States? Well, I'm, I'm considering it. It's a very difficult decision to make. I looked at it back in 2016. I ultimately decided not to go. But uh, I think it's very important that Donald Trump not be the nominee of the Republican Party in 2024. I think he can be defeated. I'd certainly like to help out in uh, making that happen. And if, uh, if I think being a candidate myself, uh, does show a, a path to getting the nomination and to winning in November of next year, then, then I'll get it. Thank you very much for joining me.
Welcome back to America Right Now. I'm Tom Basile. A grim milestone this week as the war in Ukraine enters its second year. The loss of life has been monumental. Military losses are disputed, but both Russia and Ukraine have combined to lose some 300,000 people. Many parts of Ukraine have been left in total ruin. Just hours ago, my next guest returned from a visit to the Ukrainian capital city of Kyiv and a meeting with President Zelensky. Joining me now is Texas Congressman Keith Self. He is a member of both the House Foreign Relations Committee and the House Veterans Affairs Committee. Congressman, you literally just got off the plane uh, not long ago. What was it like to be there during this somber anniversary? Well, it was pretty somber, and the most somber part uh, was at Bucha, where the Russian war crimes uh, were pretty obvious. We saw some really grim pictures, heard some grim uh, recitations of what happened there. But I came away with the feeling that if President Biden was America first, we would not be in this position. It's very evident on the ground uh, that we need America first position so that we can deter a wider war and deter China. What does that look like to you, uh, uh, Congressman? An America first attitude with respect to deterring Putin and the war in Ukraine? Well, first of all, this uh, saying that we're with them as long as it takes is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, You cannot piecemeal men and equipment, uh, supplies into a war and have success. You must go on the offense. And that means that we must give them the supplies, the material that they need to go on the offense uh, this year uh, so that they can make this a short war Mm -hmm. uh, so that we can come to a conclusion of this war and demonstrate to China Mm -hmm. that the West is strong enough to deter them. Your entire delegation to Kyiv had the opportunity to meet with uh, President Zelensky. What was Zelensky's message to you and the other members of Congress? Uh, president's uh, message to us was his priorities. We spent a long time. In fact, we preempted his uh, next meeting for a while while we sat there and discussed some very specific uh, criteria uh, in his priorities. Uh, I believe that this is the year that we are going to have to see uh, some success on the battlefield for Ukraine or the momentum will swing to Russia uh, because they have a much larger population uh, and I, I think that this is the year that we need to see results. Mm. Congressman, the Ukrainians have clearly exceeded expectations through the first year of the war. Um, Russia's invasion certainly cannot be tolerated. The crimes against humanity cannot be tolerated. Uh, do, do you firmly believe, though, that as the, as the war continues, an accountability regime can be instituted to make sure that our American resources are appropriately utilized? And what do you think that looks like? That is a great question, Tom. And I will tell you, I am confident that the military supplies and weapons that are going in are being well accounted for with like four different audits that are ongoing today. I'm far less confident of the cash that's being given to Ukraine. Uh, I think we do need uh, more oversight by the House of Representatives uh, because the Biden administration is certainly not going to do it. Uh, So the House of Representatives must have more oversight on the cash uh, that we're giving to uh, the Ukrainian government. Congressman, uh, of, of all the things that you saw while you were over there um, mm-hmm. firsthand, what stuck with you the most? 
What stuck with me the most was talking to the Ukrainian battalion commander, the tank battalion commander, who's finishing up his training of his battalion of the Leopard uh, tanks in Poland. They are going to be in combat in a few short weeks. They finish training in about a week. In a few short weeks, that battalion is going to be in uh, combat. And it was very sobering to talk to him. Very, uh, very sobering conversation as we talked to him about what lies ahead of them. Because this is indeed a mid-intensity conflict. This doesn't rep uh, represent the... Uh, the forever wars of the Middle East that we've been fighting for the last 20 years. This is mid-intensity mm -hmm. conflict between two well-armed, very powerful armies. Yeah, and, and look, just uh, I only have just a few seconds left with you, Congressman, and I know that you probably want to get to sleep, too. But, uh, you know, you, you got people out there who, who have, they have, uh, they're impatient, right? They're, we're now saying, oh, this has gone on far too long. What do you, what's your message to, to Americans and people in the international community about the importance of, uh, of continuing to support the Ukrainians? We need to make this a short war. We need to get it over with. We need to get the uh, uh, either a victory or a, uh, a negotiation going because at the end of this war, at all wars end, these two countries will still be neighbors uh, across a very long border. Uh, let's get it done. Let's get it ended. All right, Texas Congressman Keith Self, uh, I'm sure a little sleep is in order. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, as uh, again, coming right off the plane to be with us. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I know.